good to be with you again. My name is Jason Dexter, and today we are continuing the study of the book of Ezra, and we are in Ezra chapter 5. Now, in the first three chapters of this book, we saw that everything was going well. The people had been restored back to the promised land. They rebuilt the altar. They started offering sacrifices again. They were celebrating festivals to honor God, which hadn't been celebrated in generations. Everyone was excited, and there was a real spiritual high. But in chapter 4, they come down from that high because they are facing very, very stiff opposition. People who want to discourage them. People who want to keep them from doing the work that God has called them to do. Now, at the first chance, when these people came and offered to help, they saw through this ruse. They saw through this deception, and they said, no. And they didn't compromise. So they were victorious against the first attack. But the attacks kept on coming. And finally, the opponents of the people of Judah succeeded in getting them to stop rebuilding the temple, which God had called them to do. And they actually succeeded for this for a period of 16 years. So today we're going to look at what happens next. If if you go off track for a long period of time. Maybe you pursue something in this world and you know it's not what God has called you to do. How do you get back on track? How do you come back and start to put God first again? That's what we're going to see the people of Judah doing here in Ezra chapter 5. So let's go ahead and read through this passage and then we'll take a look at it one piece at a time. Ezra 5. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozani and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They also asked them this, What are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozani and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river, sent to Darius the king. They sent him a report in which was written as follows. To Darius the king, all peace. Be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure. We also asked them their names for your information that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed the house and carried away the people to Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus the king made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. 
And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought into the temple of Babylon, these Cyrus the king took out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. And he said to them, Take these vessels, go and put them in the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site. Then this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And from that time until now it has been in building, and it is not yet finished. Therefore, if it seems good to the king, let search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus the king for the rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem. And let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. Okay. So the title of this section, as you can see, is Rebuilding Begins Anew. So we've seen in the book of Ezra God's mercy in allowing the people to come back to the promised land again. And they start off really well. They start off putting God first. They came as one man to Jerusalem to rebuild the altar and then to rebuild the temple. But then opposition comes and the people stop building the temple. We see this in verse 24 of chapter 4. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped. Okay, so the temple uh, rebuilding project was stopped when adversity came. Now here we see in verse 1 that God uses two prophets to come to his people and warn them and remind them to begin building the temple again. And those are Haggai and Zechariah. Okay, and God used these prophets to rebuke his people and to encourage them to get back to it, to get back on track. And from that, we see how important it is for us as believers to encourage one another. It's very normal that sometimes we would go off track. And in the book of James, it tells us that we should warn people who sin and go astray and encourage them to come back from God, to turn them away from their sin, to turn them away from death and to come back to the Lord. And that is what Haggai and Zechariah are doing here in this passage. And that is also what we should do when we see brothers and sisters around us who start to go astray is encourage them to come back. So to see what's going on, you really need to study the book of Haggai. Uh, we do have a study series on Haggai. You're welcome to take a look at that video when you have time. But I want to give a quick review here. Uh, in Haggai chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, this is really the core, the key of the message which Haggai and Zechariah are bringing to the people. And this is what Haggai says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? while this house lies in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. So the message of Haggai to the people is why are you focusing on your own houses? They were paneling their houses, which has the idea of making uh, non-necessary, right? Luxurious upgrades to their homes while God's house, the temple, lay in ruins. And so God is asking them, why are you focusing on your own homes? 
instead of on mine. You're putting yourself first when God is the one who should be in first place all the time. Um, and so throughout this chapter, if you read the whole chapter, you see that the people say a question. They say, uh, is it yet time, right? And that's the question they, they keep asking themselves. Is it time? It's not time yet. Let's serve God later. Now, this is one of Satan's most classic attacks. Is it time? You see, Satan may not come and tempt you and say, don't go serve God. Don't become a missionary. Don't become a pastor. Don't go share the gospel. Don't start a Bible study group. If Satan says, nah, you shouldn't start a Bible study group, you think, say, come on, God's word is clear. I should pass on what I've learned, right? No, he's he often has a much more nuanced approach. And that is often saying, yeah, it's good to be a missionary or it's good to serve God. It's good to start a Bible study group. Just do it later. Just do it later. Just wait a while when it's more convenient, when you have more free time. And the idea is to always push serving God until a future later time when it's more convenient. The other thing we see in this passage is that people were seeking their own comfort and putting themselves ahead of God. Besides that, they focused on materials. They were focused on gathering more stuff, sowing and reaping and increasing their material possessions. But the really strange thing during this this 16-year time gap between when they stopped building the temple and when they started again is that everything seemed to work against them. The harder they worked, the less they got. I don't know if perhaps you've ever tried to row a boat on a stream and row against the wind. And you might row really, really hard, but the harder you row, the farther you get from your destination. That is something like what it was like for the people of Judah. The harder they worked putting themselves first, the less return they got. Because God was causing things to work against them. Now, you're probably familiar with the term providence. Providence is when God works behind the scenes of the situation you're in to bring about a positive or favorable result for you. But here we see something like a reverse providence where God is actually working against them as a form of discipline to remind them to come back to him. Now in the book of Haggai, we see God encouraging them, go and rebuild the temple again. And he promises to be with them. And the people are encouraged to start again, and God says, I will be with you to do it. Now, we see the result here in Ezra one thirteen. Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. This is God's promise. I am with you after the people repent and decide to build. So here you see in verse 12, Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. So the people obey. They listen to Haggai and Zechariah's message and they repent and they start rebuilding the temple project again. Um, and so that's what we see here in verse 2 of Ezra 5. The same thing. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, arose 
and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God, Haggai and Zechariah, were with them, supporting them. So there's some important application for us here in this passage. And that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are we putting God first? Or are we putting ourselves first? In Matthew 6, 33, God promises to take care of those who put him first. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When you put God first, he would take care of you. Now, a lot of times when we go our own way and put ourselves first, it might be we are worried about our future. We are worried about our finances, our careers, and our families. And we think, I have to take care of myself. And then when I have time, I'll serve God. But that's looking at it backwards. We need to put God first. Give him the first and best of our time or energy, not give him the leftovers. So I would encourage you to be reminded from this passage, it's never too late to come back to serve God. They were defeated. Yes, for 16 years, the temple of God still lay in ruins and they ignored it. But it wasn't too late. God was merciful. God sent them reminders and they repented and came back to him. So there's an application for us here. Perhaps God has called you to some mission for him, some ministry or some service. And it's something which you know you should do and it's always in the back of your mind there. You know you should do it, but for whatever reason you have put it off. Maybe now is the time to come back to it. Maybe now is the time to come back and say, God, I'm going to put you first in that area. Maybe it's not the most convenient time to do it. Maybe you're busy with a lot of things. But that's what it means to put God first. So it's not too late to come back. Just like the parable of the prodigal son. He went his own way. And then when he reached rock bottom, he realized, I should go back to my father. And his father was looking out to the road When he saw his son, he ran and he welcomed him back. God is always there waiting to welcome us back, encourage us, and give us strength to do the task which he has asked us to do. Okay, now also another thing we see in verse 2 is the role of the leaders in this. We see uh, Zerubbabel and we see Shealtiel. Uh, Sorry, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and we see Jeshua, the son of Josadak. So we see the political leader, and we see the religious leaders, and they are out in front helping this project. Now, God holds leaders to a very high level of responsibility. Throughout Israel's history, we see that the people of Israel normally follow their leaders' actions, whether good or bad. If the king worships Baal, the people tend to follow Baal. If the king worships God, the people tend to follow God. Now here's Zerubbabel and Jeshua made the decision to resume the work, and the people followed them. There's a lesson for us. If God has put any of us in a position of authority or leadership, we need to take our responsibility seriously. Now, when... Zerubbabel and Jeshua first stopped the work. They may have said, well, the people's, the, the people's mind is not here. They're not willing to help. But if they were actually out there working by themselves on the temple, it's almost certain that this example would have stirred up others to help them. But they, for a while, abandoned their responsibility. But when they started doing it again, 
then the people came with them and supported them and helped them. So it's important for leaders, whether it's parents, a boss, teacher, leaders in a church, to set a good example for their followers, to take initiative and to be out in front, putting God first and encouraging others to do the same. Now, we see that when they start building the temple, then almost immediately opposition comes again. God's enemies really do not want this temple to be built. And this time, it is the locally appointed leaders over that region of the Persian Empire that come to ask about it. Now, this group is a little bit different than the group before. Uh, They seem to be a more neutral party. And so they're asking question in verse 3. Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? And so they ask more questions to want to know what is going on. This work has just stopped there for about 16 years. And so when it starts, the the new leaders of this region, they don't really know what's going on. So they're asking more questions. Now, probably they want to make sure no law is being broken. And maybe their motivation is to protect their own skin. Uh, If found negligent, then they might get in trouble from the king. If the king then comes back to blame them, why did you allow this project to go on? So you could face different kinds of opposition. Sometimes opposition is very, very intentional, as we saw back in chapter 4. And other times it's just things with the system that are difficult or inconvenient. Whatever kind of opposition there is, God will give you the strength and the resources to get through it for his glory. Now, in verse 4, they also asked the question, they said, what are the names of the men who are building this building? Okay, so the authorities come in and they start taking names, all right? That means they they mean business. And if you give your name, then you might be, you will be held responsible if things turn sour. Now, the leaders were willing to give their names and they actually continued the work. Verse 5 says they did not stop them. Okay, so the the new leaders who came in to ask did not stop them from doing the work. That was definitely favor from the Lord. But the leaders put their neck on the line. They gave their names and they said, we're going to continue working until that time if we are forced to stop. So there is some evidence there that this time they mean business. They are truly repentant and they truly desire to put God first. So God was definitely with them. The political leaders could have asked them to stop until a decision comes from the top. And in fact, that would seem to be a more logical thing to do in the eyes of the world. When you're not sure, say, okay, first stop, then we'll get uh, an answer. And if you have permission, you can continue again. But they didn't. They allowed them to keep working, which seems to be a little bit risky for those leaders. Uh, If the king ruled that they were breaking the law to rebuild the temple, then he may have blamed them for allowing the work to continue. I definitely believe this was God's providence working on their behalf and giving them favor in the eyes of those officials. And God promises to be with those who put him first. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. 
And we see God giving them boldness and courage and strengthening them and helping them to do the task that he has called them to do. In Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Okay, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. God was with them, and God gave them favor and help. So here we see that the people truly repented, and God bless them. This is very different than what we see in Haggai. While they were sinning, everything seemed to be working against them. It says the more uh, money they got and put in their bags, then their bags got a hole and it just dissipated. And the more wine they got, then when they went to get their wine out of the cellar, they were surprised at how little there was there. And this was the case with really all the work that they were doing. The harder they worked, the less return they got. And so we're reminded, if we put God first, then he will be with us and his providence will help us and he will have good plans for us to take care of us. And he promises that in Romans 5, 20, sorry, Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to to his purposes. So when we love God, when we put him first, then he will cause the things in our life to work together for our good. So here we see the first five verses of Ezra 5. Uh, The people begin building the temple again. They have new adversity, but they are able to keep working this time because of God's favor. Now, in verses 6 through 17, the local leaders write to Darius. Uh, And the tone of this letter is a bit different than the letter in chapter 5. Sorry, in chapter 4. In chapter 4, the Jews' adversaries flattered, lied, accused, attacked, deceived, and, and slandered the people. This letter seems much more neutral in comparison. Facts were not misrepresented, but they're laid out one by one. Uh, We're not going to go through that letter in detail, but they actually quoted the answers that the Jews gave. So they were able to give their side of the story. And we see that uh, here in verse uh, 9 and 10. They said in their letter, they said, We asked those elders who spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure. We also asked them for their names, for your information, that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. And then they go on to explain how they got permission to build it again. So these leaders are much more fair and they gave the Jews an opportunity to make their case and to explain why they were doing this. Where did they get permission for doing this? And so in verses uh, 11 through 16, they lay out their case for rebuilding the temple. Now I want to point out in verse 12 that even in this letter, they realize why they had suffered the way that they did. And it shows that they recognized the sin. It says, But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar 
king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people to Babylon. Okay, so this shows their repentance. They recognized that the discipline they faced before from God was deserved, and it was because of their sin. They recognized the past mistakes that they had made as a nation, which showed their repentant heart and their willingness to take responsibility. So any person who makes up his mind to serve God is going to face adversity sooner or later. Now in the book of Ezra, we have seen so far, they have spiritual highs and they have spiritual lows, right? When they have a spiritual high, then the attacks kept coming and the opposition kept coming and tried to discourage them and dissuade them from the task at hand. And they were victorious once, but the second time they succumbed to that temptation and they gave up building the temple. But then God gave them another chance, another prophet, another warning, and they repented and came back to doing the work that God had called them to do. So as we get ready to finish this lesson for today, I want to leave you with this verse in Proverbs 24, 16. The righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Now, sometimes it's easy for us to look at the Jews and and see this circle of disobedience and, and discipline and repentance and then restoration, and then the same circle is repeated again and again. And we think, why do they do that? Why do they keep sinning? Why don't they just put God first? But a lot of times we do the same thing, don't we? We know what God commands and we stumble and we fall. But forgiveness is available. If we repent, God will restore us. No matter what you have done in the past, a merciful, loving, patient God is still there ready to forgive and restore you again. Of course, we should not fall for those temptations. But if we do, we need to rise again, rise again. So I would encourage you today, come back to God. Is there a project? Is there a mission that he's calling you to complete for him? Some ministry or service, whatever God has called you to do, if you are not doing it now, then restart it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and he will honor that and he would take care of all of your needs. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.